Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and today we are going to be sharing an archive broadcast that I did over 20 years ago with the wonderful and powerful author of The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Leona Evans on Wisdom Radio with another special edition of Positive Living, bringing you conversations with best-selling authors, powerful speakers, and leading-edge thinkers who share tools and techniques for living a richer, more fulfilling, and abundant life. I know that you'll come away from today's program more in touch with your own inner wisdom as you travel your path to self-discovery. Every once in a while, a book comes out that just sweeps the country, and it just seems to hit an individual at the very deepest part of his or her being. The book that is doing that right now uh, is called The Four Agreements, and the author is today's guest. His name is Don Miguel Ruiz. The Four Agreements um, is a book that will change your life. It's a book that will remind you uh, the important good within you and help you recognize your power of choice. Uh, I'm very, very proud and pleased to welcome my guest today, Don Miguel Ruiz. Don Miguel, welcome to Positive Living. Well, first of all, thank you very much for your invitation. I'm so, so happy to be with you today. Well, and thank you for accepting our invitation. There have been classes and groups and study groups uh, all over the country, and particularly in our Central California area that have been working with the Four Agreements. I gave a course on the Four Agreements that has been transformative, not only for myself, but for many of the students who attended. And so we're very, very grateful for you and for your work. Um, Now, you are someone that um, teaches the Toltec teachings. Can you tell us what the Toltecs are and and what their teachings are? Well, we can say that uh, the Toltecs, they have the origin in Mesoamerica and in Mexico and Guatemala also. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly a race like the Aztecs or the Mayans. We can say that the Toltecs are the masters of love. The, the masters. masters of love? Yes, the masters ah. of dreaming, the masters of communication. How do they, how do they become that? Well, you know, it's very, very interesting to see that in our roots in the, in the past, even 2,000 years ago, when the technology was almost zero, the way that they manipulate the mind, it was so wonderful that they master. In the present moment, we used to say that psychology is just growing. It's not even a, a young adult. But for the Toltecs, they really master the psychology. So the Toltecs were somehow intuitively aware of the power of the mind and of the choices we have to transform our lives? Yes. First of all, he mastered the awareness, mm-hmm. which means to see everything as it is instead of see what we want to see or hear what we want to hear. That's so hard, isn't it? It's a... Uh, it's very difficult, but uh, practice makes the master. Then by practicing awareness, we can uh, develop our awareness in that way that we can see so clear every action, every reaction in our life, what makes so easy for us 
the interaction with the people that we love and even with the people that we don't know. You know, I think it's really important that you speak of the Toltecs as masters of love because we know that there's tremendous power in the mind and sometimes people can misuse that power if they don't have love as a foundation. But in these Toltec teachings, love is the foundation and it is the transformative power. Is that correct? Yes, we can say that they discover something very, very interesting. What they discover is that happiness is the expression of self-love. Is love coming out of us. And when we say self-love, we're not talking about ego-centered love. We're talking about the higher self, correct? Not at all. Mm -hmm. First of all, we know that we are the center of our perception, the center of, of our universe, that we project our point of view, that we perceive, we modify it, and we always project our point of view. And when we love ourselves, we never go against ourselves. That yes. what we project to other people, if, if we don't project love, we will not receive that love. Yes, I think it, it becomes more and more obvious as we take our spiritual path seriously that we really can't see anything in its wholeness unless we see ourselves as whole. And so this, this self-love in the highest sense is really the foundation of all of our perceptions, isn't it? Yes, what we can see is just pure common sense is um, to have the power to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Because if we can make a choice, we're never going to choose anger or jealousy or hate. If we really can make a choice, what we're going to choose is to live in harmony and peace with a good communication, mainly with the people that we live with, like our parents or children or beloved or friends or relatives. Yes. And... beginning with ourselves. And so when you talk about agreements, the title of your book is The Four Agreements, what do you mean by the word agreement? Well, we can say that everything that we know, we store it in our mind because we agree with every single concept, with every word, with every habit, with everything that we believe, we, uh, we agree, that's why we believe it. Well, like when we're small children and our parents tell us something or our teachers tell us something, we believe it because we assume that they know. So would you call that an agreement? We agree that that's true because they said so. Yes, definitely this is an agreement. And what you said is very, very interesting because we cannot see ourselves. We need always a mirror that we can see ourselves. Mm -hmm. And because we cannot see ourselves, we always asking for someone to reflect us. Mm-hmm. For example, our mother create an image of us, and our mother tell us what she believe we are. But then our father create a different image of us and they project it to us, and it's completely different that our mother told us that we are. Mm-hmm. Then every of our brother or sisters or friends or teachers, each one of them project an image of, on us, and we have to accept it because we cannot see ourselves. Then whatever our mother says, we will agree and we will believe that we are what our mother told us that we are. 
So we are uh, open slates as children. Not only do we get the influence of our parents, but we have the influence of all the human beings that lived before us in what Carl Jung refers to as the collective consciousness of humanity. And these agreements sometimes can work in our favor, but sometimes will not work on our favor. It is amazing how open and receptive we are as children to some of the messages we get. If a parent or a teacher labels us as slow, or if someone talks uh, about us in a certain negative way, we believe them. We just simply believe them and accept those words. However, when we grow up and become rational adults, we often find that some of those beliefs have, have gone into the subconscious mind, and they're keeping us from expressing ourselves as we would. They're, they're blocks uh, to our prosperity, to our creative fulfillment, to having loving relationships. And so the four agreements is about how to recognize what we have agreed to, even if it's unconsciously, and giving us the power to make the choice to make new agreements. Don Miguel, what are the four agreements? Well, the first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. Be impeccable with your word. And okay. this is the most powerful of the agreements because we can say that the word is not just what we say. What we said is also what we believe, mainly what we believe we are. Mm -hmm. We can say that the word is the power of our creation. And the whole reality that we create, the whole belief system, everything that we believe is made by our word. Then the word is like a sort of two ages. We can create the most wonderful dream of life, or we can create the worst nightmare, yes. a real hell, yes. if and we so misuse the word. When we're talking about the word here, we're talking about not only the words that we speak, but the creative intention behind those words. It's, it's basically what we say and what we believe about who we are in the world around us, correct? Correct. We can say that the word is the power that God gives to us. For us to become like Him, to create. Then when we use love behind a word, what we create is a masterpiece of art of our life. Oh, that's so beautifully put. It really is a masterpiece to be able to wake up in the morning and look out at the world and say, this is a beautiful day, I know the universe is supporting me, and I know that everything is in divine order. Um, that really is an artful use of the word, isn't it? Definitely. And the misuse of the word, it creates all the nightmares that we have, all yes. the confrontations, all the hate, all the emotional poison. Misuse of the word, um, they're out to get me, nobody gives me a break, I don't know if I can do this, I, don't, I, I feel stupid, uh, I feel unlovable. All of those things would be misuse of the word, and it's not just about saying those things, it's about saying them because we believe them inside. Somehow we've made the agreement that those things are true, and now what we need to do is break those agreements and make new ones. Then when we make the agreement to be impeccable with the world, what we mean is that we will not use the world against ourselves. Mm -hmm. We will not use any belief against ourselves. Like you say, 
if we believe that we are not good enough, we are not intelligent enough, we are using the word against us. Mm-hmm. And if we have the awareness, what we are doing, we recover the power to make a choice. And we can choose not to believe ourselves when we are lying to ourselves in that way. You know, it is so difficult, Don Miguel. It is, um, it is really hard because we have made habits or agreements out of saying things to ourselves, especially, for example, if we make a mistake, we would say, oh, I'm so stupid. How could anybody be so stupid? And we do those things, those self-assaults, all the time without recognizing it. It's, it's almost an unconscious response, isn't it? Yes, we can say that practice may the master, and we practice those habits during many years of our life to react always in that way, misusing the word, judging ourselves, play with guilt and blame and shame. But this is because we practice, not because it's true, this what makes us comfortable and makes us safe, because it's what we master. In your book, um, on page 19, you say, Nobody abuses us more than we abuse ourselves. There is a judge and a victim inside of ourselves, and the belief system that makes us do this has to do with this inner judge and inner victim, doesn't it? Yes, we can say that our belief system is like the book of law. And the judge based every single judgment in those beliefs. And he applied that law so strict and so strong that the part of us who received the judgment is what I call the victim. Mm-hmm. Is the part of us that say, for me, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not intelligent enough, why even try? Mm-hmm. It's the part of ourselves who live their life in guilt, in shame, in blame. Uh, you say on the next page, in your whole life, nobody has ever abused you more than you have abused yourself. And the limit of your self-abuse is exactly the limit that you will tolerate from someone else. If someone abuses you a little more than you abuse yourself, you will probably walk away from that person. But if someone abuses you a little less than you abuse yourself, you will probably stay in the relationship and tolerate it endlessly. If you abuse yourself very badly, Don Miguel goes on to say, you can even tolerate someone who beats you up, humiliates you, and treats you like dirt. Why? Because in your belief system you say, I deserve it. Gosh, that's sad, but true, isn't it? Yes, and when we understand this, we can understand why many of us are in those kind of abusive relationships and why we stayed. We say yes because we really believe that we deserve it, that we need to be punished, and we find someone who punishes us. And so the goal of the Toltec teachings is helping us understand that those beliefs are old agreements that we made without really knowing the deeper truth about who we are, about how we were created in love, and about how our goal is to express that love. Um, this is something that these four agreements are helping us remember, isn't it? Yes, uh, we can see that after we have the awareness, the next step is to change those agreements. When we change the agreements, we change our whole life. 
when we no longer believe in our guilt, in our shame, we can say that we no longer tolerate abuse because we no longer abuse ourselves. Yes. When, when we increase the self-love, the, the level of abuse reduces almost to the minimum. Yes, and it is a remarkable and wonderful change and one that we're all deserving of. Uh, we have been working on the first of the four agreements, and we're going to be going through the rest of them. Let me just share them with you. The first agreement that we talked about in the last segment is be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity, say only what you mean, avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. The second agreement, don't take anything personally. The third, don't make assumptions. And the fourth, always do your best. So, Don Miguel, should we tackle the second one? Don't take anything personally, because that's a hard one. Well, but uh, we practice doing our whole life, take everything personally. You know, our personal importance is so big that we believe that whatever everybody do or says, is because of us. Mm-hmm. And the truth is exactly the opposite. Anything really is about us. Whatever people say or do or believe is because themselves. We can say that every human has its own reality in their mind. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that reality, they only project on us images that they create for us images that are not real at all. And we do exactly the same. We create our own personal reality, and everybody else is just a projection of our mind. You know, that is probably one of the most powerful of all of the spiritual teachings, is the fact that we are constantly projecting from our own particular state of consciousness what other people might be thinking or feeling about us, when in fact, those people are more than likely going about their business doing what they're doing, and they're not doing something to us, but if we're feeling insecure or if we're feeling unlovable, we think that their world, you know, is all about us when, in fact, um, they're doing what they're doing because they need to be doing it. You know, for example, uh, I remember a time when I was speaking in front of a large group of people and somebody sort of made a, a negative face and got up and left the room. And I was absolutely convinced that they did it because I was giving a bad speech that they didn't like what I was saying and that they were absolutely having to leave the room because they couldn't take another minute of it, only to find out later that they were actually ill and they left the room to, you know, take some medication and take care of themselves. And so this is the kind of thing that can really pollute our consciousness, can't it? Yes, we can say that most of our life that, that we spend being offended with resentments and it's just because all those misunderstandings because we take everything so personal. Mm-hmm. Now, you say in the book, even when a situation seems so personal, even if others insult you directly, it has nothing to do with you. Of now, course. Yeah, can you elaborate on that? Yes, we can say that this, this, uh, most of the people, their mind is so wounded and so full of poison that they have the need to discharge the poison with somebody. Then, in the projections that they made, they make all those kinds of assumptions and they project on you what they believe is 
Jesus, not even thinking what really is, is going on. Then when we take that personally, we eat all the poison that that people create in their reality because we agree with them. Yes. Um, when you take things personally, you say in the book, then you feel offended, and your reaction is to defend your beliefs and create conflicts. Uh, we make something big out of something little because we have the need to be right and make everyone else wrong. Um, and so in that way, what we're doing is a reflection of our own personal dreams, a reflection of our agreements. And so um, we keep sending each other these little poison packages of negativity. And unless we're very, very conscious of not accepting it, we can truly be overburdened with a bunch of garbage. And, and we, can, we can see that when we adopt this agreement, that don't take anything personally, and we share that agreement with the people that we love, we avoid a lot of conflict with, with, uh, with our beloved. Let's see that uh, in a relationship, both make the same agreement, don't take anything personally. Any, any problem that they have, as soon they tell each other, don't take it personally, it's like a cleaning everything. And instead of, of play against each other, they become like a teammate. They support each other, and the relationship improves a lot. It's a big healing for relationship, too. Yes. Um, now, what you say here um, in this next paragraph in the book is something that uh, some of the great esoteric and spiritual teachings have said for thousands of years. Buddha said this as well. Uh, but you say in the book, when people say, Miguel, you are the best, I don't take it personally. When they say, Miguel, you are the worst. I don't take it personally. Um, and so how do you maintain that equilibrium? I mean, isn't it much more fun to believe that you're the best? I mean, isn't there a temptation to sort of say, yeah, I really want to hear that and I really want to agree with that? Well, the problem to take that personally is that we start believing what people say and we over, overestimate ourselves. The ego can grow so, so big that when the truth comes, it can be very, very painful. Mm-hmm. And what is the truth is that they are only projecting on you because you are sharing something good with them. They have gratitude, and they, they tell you, oh, you are the best, you are great, you are wonderful. But this is in the moment. The same people who can tell you in that moment that you are so wonderful, a day later, a month later, they can believe that you are the worst also. Yes, I've, none I've, of that is true. I've had experience with that myself, and it is at the very least disconcerting, and uh, it can rock one's world if we depend upon their opinions to be consistent. But what I'm hearing you say is that when we need to hear people say, you are the best, it's not the higher self that needs it, it's the ego self. And exactly. so the ego is going to get um, distorted, and it's going to become overblown, and that's not the part of self that we want to cultivate. The part of self we want to cultivate is the part of self that knows it was created in love and the part of self that knows we're a spiritual being, correct? Yes, we can say that in certain moments of your evolution, you know exactly what you are and you know that you're not better or worse than anybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not even better than a dog or, or a cat. No. Yes, that's a very good point. Now. At this point in your book, you say, you may even tell me, Miguel, what you are saying is hurting me, but it's not what I'm saying that's hurting you. It's what you have wounds that I touch by what 
I have said. You are hurting yourself. I think this is a very powerful piece of information as well. Uh, Don Miguel, the third agreement, don't make assumptions. Gosh, who doesn't? And boy, they get us into trouble quite often, don't they? Yes, we can say that uh, to make assumptions becomes like a habit, like an addiction. And that creates uh, a lot of a lot of problems. Then by not making assumptions, it's like an immunity against the dream of hell. Do you know reputations have been maligned because we believe things that we hear that are nothing but pure gossip? Um, we assume they're true. We don't have any more facts. And a lot of times people's lives, uh, their jobs, their careers can be destroyed because people have made assumptions without seeking a deeper truth. And you know what is very interesting? People make assumptions even if they're hearing the word directly because they only hear what they want to hear, and instead of asking, they make an assumption, and they believe that that assumption is correct. That mm-hmm. when we, when that person share what she hear to somebody else, what she says is completely distorted. That's right. And it's just because we make assumptions. That's absolutely correct. You say in your book, making assumptions in relationships leads to a lot of fights, a lot of difficulties, a lot of misunderstandings with people we supposedly love. Yes, we can say that they they make us lose the respect from each other. And when we lose the respect, love starts to die. Yes. Uh, You should have known we say to our partners and to our loved ones when we assume that they're going to do what we want because they know us so well. If they don't do what we assume they should do, you say in your book, we feel so hurt and we say you should have known better. Why do we do that and why don't we stop that actually? (laughs) It's time to make a new agreement, isn't it? If we have the awareness and we know what we are doing, we really can avoid it if we just put our attention Like if every time that we make an assumption, we promise to ourselves not to do it again. And even if we break the promise, we do it again and again. We just do our best, and soon we master the new agreement and becomes automatic. Yes, it does require practice. It does require waking up. It does require accepting the fact that we do make assumptions because if we don't accept that fact, then we can't really change it, can we? And we also can have support with the people who live around us if we share those agreements. Mm-hmm. Like if we, if we have a, a group of friends and, and we make the agreement to support all those agreements that we remember to each other every time that we break the agreement, we find out that with that help, it becomes easier and easier to change our life. You know, I couldn't agree with you more, and that's what's happening to us over at Unity since we've had this course on the four agreements. Um, In our staff at Unity, in the workplace, um, every once in a while I'll say something, or uh, Sharon, my office manager, will say something, and we might look at each other and say, was that an assumption? 
and then we'll kind of look at each other and laugh and remind one another that our goal was to make new agreements. Um, we've also been asking ourselves if we've been impeccable with our word, if we're taking something personally that doesn't uh, require us to do so. And so, yes, I think working with these teachings in a support community is a tremendous wake-up call. And um, when those reminders are given in love can be quite transformative. Yes, we can say that these first three agreements is quite difficult to, to master. And of course, practice makes the master. Could be difficult n uh, not to take anything personally, to keep a word. It could be difficult not to make assumptions. But what we really can do from the beginning is doing our best. Ah, uh, yes, and so the fourth agreement is always do your best. And so can you elaborate on the difference between doing our best and doing something flawlessly? Because there, there is a difference. Yes, we can say that uh, if we try to overdo, it's not really our best. Mm -hmm. Because we set up for failure. Yes. Then it's just to do what humanly we can do at the moment. And our best is changing all the time. It's not always the same. It changed from one moment to another moment. It would change according if, if we are tired or we are not tired or we have an emotional problem or not or we are sick. It, it, it depends of, of our mental state in the moment and it can change from one moment to the next moment. It also changes if we have desire or not. You know, uh, there's a, a point that you make in your book, and you uh, tell a story. May I quote from the book about the uh, story of the Buddhist student? Mm -hmm. um, there was a man, you say, who wanted to transcend his suffering, so he went to a Buddhist temple to find a master to help him. He went to the master and asked, Master, if I meditate four hours a day, how long will it take me to transcend? The master looked at him and said, If you meditate four hours a day, perhaps you'll transcend in ten years. Thinking he could do better, the man then said, Oh, Master, what if I meditated eight hours a day? How long will it take me to transcend? The Master looked at him and said, If you meditate eight hours a day, perhaps you'll transcend in twenty years. But why will it take me longer if I meditate more? The man said. The Master replied, You are not here to sacrifice your joy or your life. You are here to live, to be happy, and to love. If you can do your best in two hours of meditation, but you spend eight hours instead, you'll only grow tired, miss the point, and you won't enjoy your life. Do your best, and perhaps you will learn that no matter how long you meditate, you can live, love, and be happy. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Yes, there's something that, that we forget. We are alive, and life is the, could be the most beautiful dream. When we try to escape from life, we deny life. And we can say that God is life. Love is life. And the only way to really enjoy, we can say, God, is by being alive, by being ourselves. We don't need to be different. 
Yes, it's only when we really don't know ourselves that we think we need to be different. When we make these new agreements, suddenly we realize that who we are is more than enough, and we are free of that burden of having to strive to be good. We can honor and bless the goodness that we are and truly live in love and peace. Uh, Don Miguel, our time is up. I am just so grateful that you're going to be coming here next week. So many of us are looking forward to it. And so uh, thank you so much for talking with me today on Positive Living. Well, thank you very much for this invitation, and I hardly can't wait to be there. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page or on our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.